Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. If you're new around here, my name is Chuck, and I'm so thrilled I have the privilege of being the pastor of such a wonderful church. Uh, When I was baptizing Heather earlier, uh, just before I baptized her, she told me she was an Auburn fan. And so I, well, don't get too excited yet. And uh, I said, well, hon, you realize with most Auburn fans, we like have to dip you seven times, right? And just as quick as she could, she said, I can't imagine how many times you have to dip an Alabama fan. (laughs) I had a great line, but I realize a lot of y'all are Alabama fans and I just, I need you to make sure you keep giving. (laughs) Oh no, I'll go ahead and tell he. I started to say to her, yeah, but we change the water every time after them. So (laughs) I'm just kidding, sort of. So, hey guys, tonight is man church, 5 p.m. Just come on, hang out. We're gonna have a great time. We'll meet uh, downstairs in the backyard at the underground and uh, just come on. I promise you uh, tonight is on point for every dude I know. So uh, come on, we'll have a good time. Those of you making plans for Easter, uh, we're going to do uh, an online guided communion on Monday, Thursday night. We've done this the last few years, and uh, really thousands of people join us. So it's, it's a very cool thing. Uh, all you got to do is in your house have uh, a piece or two of bread and grab, uh, you know, uh, juice of, of any kind you want. If, you're, uh, if, if, if you like the good stuff, go ahead and break that out. But um, we're going to walk you through communion. And it's really a cool thing to be able to do this in your home. So I want to invite you to be a part of that on Monday, Thursday, that evening. And then Good Friday night, we'll have services in here. Be unlike anything we've done before. And I'm so excited about it. And then Easter Day, we'll have a 7 a.m. sunrise service in the bowl across the street, the Sugar Hill Bowl, so for our community. And then we'll have three services here, 8, 9, 30, and 11. And so uh, just come on. We've, had, we've asked you to be a part of a little poll on the app. You just see, uh, open the app and see poll. Tell us which service kind of rings your bell right now. Uh, most of you are coming to 930, which is going to get a little funky because uh, last year we put about 1,200 people here, and this room seats about 800. So uh, shower and make sure you come on, and we'll have, a, uh, we'll have a really cool time at Easter. So today we're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about your heart. Uh, the first week of this year, uh, I, I went to the ER and they did an EKG and so that was a little funky. So they left there and they, they uh, admitted me and they did an echocardiogram and all that stuff. And they said, well, that's a little wonky. And so uh, then they determined the cardiologist said, oh, I think we have a problem. And I thought, yeah, I guarantee you we got a problem. And uh, so they put me in a heart cath lab. Any of you ever had a heart cath done? It'll bless your situation, I'm telling you. They, uh, they get you in one of those hospital gowns and that's all you have on, which by the way, should be illegal. That's just wrong. Anything designed to let you hind in, hang out, is just wrong. Just, yeah, that ain't right. So then they put you on this metal table that's about that wide. Now look at this. <laughs> that wide. And then they say, are you comfortable? My thought was, are you on crack? Of course I'm not comfortable. What you think about it is doubly funny. But I went ahead. <laughs> Some of y'all are in the gutter this morning, I'm telling you. And so I, the dude says, you know what? You're not going to feel a thing, but you can watch right on that monitor, and you can see us go into your heart. I thought, well, that's going to be awesome. 
so uh, I'm watching, and sure enough, I see the little camera, and it's going into my heart, and I see my heart, and it's good to know I have one. Some of y'all were questioning that. Yes, it's there, and it was beating, and they took the pictures. What I love about it is that before they do it, they say to you, now, you know, Mr. Allen, we're, we're probably going to find that you need a stent or two. Maybe if you need more than two, we're going to do open heart surgery, and they say that with a smile, like, we're going to bill you for the next hundred years, and, and, so, uh, and, and so you go in thinking, this is not good. You know, it's not like they take you to heart cath because you're, you're like, you're okay, you know? And so uh, they're doing that. And the whole the time, the whole, the dude that's doing it, he's only like, you know, three feet from you, right? And he's one of those grunter kind of people. You ever been around people who just, they don't really talk, but they grunt? And so he's going, mm, mm, mm. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die right here with grunter boy, right? And, and then it's like over like that. And he looks at me and goes, I don't know if that means, hey, we get to have surgery on you. I don't know if it means, hey, we're good. But he just kind of gives me the Donald Trump, you know, making your heart great again, you know? And so, so I don't know what's going on. He said, I can't give you the results, but I can do this. And so I go on back. I'm in a little waiting area, waiting to get, you know, back and everything. And Jenny's there. And, you know, the cardiologist comes and they open up that little metal thing, you know, and, and they read it like they've never seen one before. It's like, and he closes it. And he's got this look like, dear Lord, I'm going to die right now. And he says, your heart is shockingly healthy. I thought, I'm going to show you how healthy my heart is. If I could catch you, I'd do it, but my drawers would be falling out and this would not be good. I wonder sometimes how our spiritual hearts are doing and if we need a little heart calf. I don't know about you, but I, I hear this stuff all the time, especially, it's like the more religious you are, the more I hear it. It's, it sounds like this. Let me tell you what's wrong with America. And then we just pick something. Those people, that's what's, those people. Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with America. Those people, I, let me tell you what's wrong with our ball team. Those people, let me tell you what's wrong with our family. Do you know my sister? Let me tell you what's wrong with my marriage. Have you met my husband? Let me, haven't you heard that? Let me tell you what. How many of you have heard that this week, this morning maybe? I think maybe we need a heart cath because I am convinced that most of us have a heart problem. Now having gone through a heart cath, one of the things that I find great is that they don't guess anymore. On the front end when you go in, you know, your pulse is rapid or they can put a stethoscope on you if you can hear something or you're sweating profusely or having a hard time catching your breath or your chest is tight or there's pain in your chest and all of these things that are symptoms, we, we kind of start figuring out, okay, wait a minute, we need to take a closer look at your heart. And so inevitably they come down to and say, we got to get inside your heart so we can know what's going on. And I remember Jenny and I thinking, you know, good, we want to know. We want to know what's wrong. And so when they got inside that heart, they could determine what was going on in my heart. But I, I've, I've begun to believe that most of us uh, have forgotten that the, the matter of the heart is that the heart is the matter. Most of us have the need for us to have a little bit of a heart calf. We need to be able to take a look inside 
of our heart. And so I want to start today in this piece of scripture from Luke chapter 6. Luke is the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And Luke was a doctor. Most of his writings came from the interviews of people that had happened all these things with and around Jesus. And so he takes this story that Jesus told and he tells his story along with what Jesus said. And Jesus said, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never, never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are never picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now think about it. According to our text, that we have these spiritual truths that are true in our life because of what is in our heart. Now, we, we love measuring what other people do. We even like measuring what we do. We, when we work out, we like to see pictures of, you know, results. When we diet, we like to see pictures of results. When we run, we like to see results. We, when, we, when we work in our job and we get a promotion, we like to see results. All these things happen, but we also like to measure what other people do. And at times, we like to measure ourselves against other people. But I want us today to do what I believe the Scripture is calling us to do, and that is evaluate our own heart. Now, most of us would say, well, Chuck, I don't know how to evaluate my own heart. Well, the text itself tells us how to do this. So uh, do this with me. If you have your Bible on your phone or a tablet, or if you have a Bible, or if you don't have a Bible, just use that handout and pretend it's a Bible, and then just hold it up like this. Just hold it up right in front of you like this, okay? Now, watch this. You've got to really grasp this, and now we can do some work. Think of God's Word, the Bible, these holy scriptures. Think of them as a mirror that can see into your heart. These scriptures are like a heart calf that can go in and see what is happening inside. The way, the way we measure and the way that we investigate our own heart is to look into the scriptures and understand that the context of this piece of scripture leads us to understand that, that we, we, we have a lot of self-examination to do of our own heart. Jesus even goes into that in great depth a little earlier in the same ver or in the same chapter in verse 41. It says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Me and you, we are to examine ourselves. We're to examine our heart and we're to look for the fruit in our own lives. What kind of fruit are you producing? Now, there's two stories here that Jesus has said. On the first one, he says, we're going to know what kind of tree you are by the kind of fruit you produce. I don't go to a pine tree and wait for it to grow an apple because I know all I do is rake up pine needles around a pine tree and wait for a storm and have a hole in the roof, right? But if I have an apple tree, what do I get? Apples. Yeah. But you know what's interesting though? We have three kind of trees represented in this room or online today. 
We have folks that they, their tree has been standing for 50, 60 years. And there was a day when it had beautiful, delicious fruit on it. And everywhere you went, people would want to make sure they got their hands on that fruit because that was good and it lasted and it made a difference and it was healthy. And then something happened. Somebody at church made them mad or some TV preacher went astray or somebody hurt their feelings. And then all of a sudden they kind of painted their entire faith life based on what some one person did. And they said, I'm done with the church. And over the course of time, they, they were done with God as well. And that tree who once produced beautiful fruit now has just been there withered and barren as good for nothing, waiting to be cut down and used for firewood. And then there are other trees in here. And you know what? They're little saplings and they're growing. But you know what? They might get, they might get just, just knocked down in how hectic the pace of life is. But they need to be a new tree. They need a brand new tree. They, and they don't need a tree that starts off as a little sapling. They need to be a tree that, I mean, it starts off in the bucket and it's big and it's good. Some of us need a heart transplant. Some of us are like that first tree, and it's, we, we once had a new heart, but it's just got cobwebs on it, or it's got, got ice that is gathered around it, and it's grown cold and still, and some of us need a brand new heart. We need a heart transplant, and then there's some of us in here, and our heart is there. Our tree is growing, and every now and then it has fruit, but not much, just a little bit, and most of it kind of falls to the ground, and nobody really wants it, and then it's rotten, and it's gone, but it, they have great potential, and that's the heart that's like this class I had to go to before I could leave the hospital. Before, before I could leave the hospital, they made me go to a heart class. And they told me what I should eat and what I shouldn't eat and what I should do and how I should move and all these other kind of things. And I thought, but I'm shockingly healthy. And I was pretty sure the lady next to me was not shockingly healthy. And the lady looked at me and she said, yeah, but... If you do all these things, you've got a really good chance not being back here. And I thought then, I can move a little bit if I never have to hear this again. I, I, I can eat a little better if I never have to do this again. I don't want to go through this again. Some of, us, some of us has got to get back to feeding our heart the right things. And then the second story, Jesus says, but you know, if, if you're going to produce good fruit, you've got, you got to know what kind of fruit you're producing. You got to deal with you got to deal with your own heart. I mean, Dr. Jesus takes no scalpel and yet cuts perfectly clean within our heart and and he says if if, if you'll stop trying to tell everybody else in the world what's wrong with them and look at your own heart, now we can do something. Folks get so bent out of shape with me because I, I'm on this tear lately about if we would stop telling the whole world what's wrong with the rest of the world and let God do a work in our own heart, it might be amazing the change that God could use us to do to change the world. Because if we're going to change this world, it will not be on the backs of donkeys or elephants. It will not be on the back of whether we have or don't have health care. It will not be on greater or lesser education. It will not be because we have a freer or less free society. It will be based on the hearts of men and women that have the willingness to say, God, come into my heart, perform surgery on my heart, and clean my heart up so that I might then be used by you to change the world. But let me stop and say... That's just not as easy as pointing out what's wrong with 
him. Because I could be a better guy if he was a better him. And Jesus says, but that's not true. Listen to what the mirror, when you hold it in front of your heart, says in James chapter 1, verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at a face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Now at this point, let me ask you a question. Are you going to trust God to do that in your heart? Because until such time as we do, we are going to remain one of those trees. I'm not producing great fruit, but I could. I have no fruit to produce because I've never let God into my heart. Or you might could be over here and I could even produce more fruit. But we've got to allow him to work in our heart. Self-inspection should show us the condition of our heart. But watch this. Not only will self-inspection show us the condition of our heart, everybody else can read our results. You know how I know that? Because the text that describes to us what is going on in our heart gives all the rest of us a picture of this. We either see grace or grief, hatred or hope. We see the things of God or settling for the things that are good. We see this heart calf fruit that is good and it reveals a good heart. See, if, if your heart is a well, the buckets coming out in our hands and our feet in our eyes, in our ears, in our attitude, and in our words. I have never found somebody who was living or attempting to live in the presence and the power and the goodness of God working in their heart and remain bitter, angry, bigoted people. I've never seen it. I've never seen that happen. I believe most of us need to allow God to come back into our heart and do a fresh work. Now, maybe you have been a Christian, a follower of Jesus for 30 years. I, that's wonderful. But the day we stop letting Jesus sit on the throne of our heart and work on us from the inside out, the outside starts getting messed up. You say, well, yeah, well, Chuck, we can't judge other people. You're right, and nor should you. We've got enough to work on right here. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because that would be unfair, but let me just kind of confess to you. I've got so many things that I, I think are wrong with this church. Everywhere I turn, I find something I don't like about this church. I wake up every day thinking, what can we change about this church? Here's the problem. You know the one thing that desperately needs to change in this church? The heart of this guy. Because when God gets a hold of this heart, I'll become a praying pastor. I'll become a serving pastor. I'll become a gracious pastor. I'll become a grateful pastor. I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better daddy. I'll be a better granddaddy. I'll be a better leader. I'll make a, I'll, I'll make a bigger difference for the cause of Christ. But watch this. None of that happens unless he goes to work in my heart. So put that in the context of your life. I'd be a better business leader. I'd be a better daddy. I'd be a better husband. I'd be a better grandparent. I'd be a better mom. I'd be a better wife. 
You say, well, Chuck, but you know what? I, I don't know that I can trust God to work from the inside out. What if he makes me one of those weirdo Christians? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because you can spot them They're like a mile away. They're, and you can see them coming because they cannot wait to pull the pin on a hand grenade Bible verse and lob it at you when you don't know what it is. You know, like the minute that you're, you're out to eat somewhere, right? And, and you say something like, boy, I really liked that R-rated movie and that, that overly whacked out guy is right here. And he pulls the pin on a hand grenade and says, I would never go see that. And you know what? We look at that guy and think, I'm going to beat the fool out of you. We never look at that guy and say, that's so nice of you to tell me that. I've never had somebody come up to me and say, I ain't tell you what's wrong with you, Chuck. I hear that a lot, by the way. But I, I, not one time has anybody come up to me and said, let me tell you what's wrong with you, Chuck. And me go, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Please, tell me. On the other hand, I've had other people who have walked up and said, you know, Chuck, maybe said it like like Matt Osmond. He's like one of the nicest people on the planet, right? So a couple of weeks ago, Matt calls me, and, and Matt, he's not like Mr. Conflict, right, you know? And, and so he says, uh, how you doing? Good, good, good. You know, we're chit-chatting, which, you know, I'm allergic to chit-chat. I mean, really, just, and, and so it's like, what, what do you need, Matt? Because I, I was filled with mercy at the moment, and he said, uh, you know, the other day when you said that, you know, I know that's not your heart, and you know, and I, I said, you know, Matt, the minute I said it, I regretted it. I said, you know, I just, I got angry and I said something, I, I just regretted it. And I'm really sorry. I wonder what would happen if, if we would all do that and then do what he did, which was, Chuck, I've been praying for you since then. I'm so grateful that the Lord's already told you that. Thank you. I wonder what would happen if we were to lay down our criticism and dusty up our knees just a little bit. I wonder what might would happen if we would trust the God of all creation to go to work in our heart and not be worried about whether he's going to turn you into a freakazoid or not, because I'm pretty sure he's not. You're going to do that on your own. That's your deal, right? I mean, you want to lob Bible verse hand grenades, knock yourself out, but just go to Shadowbrook and do it. Okay, go to Gornet Church then. I don't care. Getting all technical on me. But my deal is, when, when we see people's hearts go under surgery of the Almighty, when, when we recognize that our heart has been crafted and is now being molded and now is being massaged and now is being healed and cured and made healthy, shockingly healthy by the divine, what happens to that person is we stop finding everybody else's fault and we fall on our knees before a holy and a righteous God and we say, but it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. We're coming up on Easter season. We're going to have folks fill this church on, I mean, we'll have 2,500, 3,000 people here Easter day. And some of us are going to be so pious that day, and we're going to say, well, where are these people in the middle of February? Well, they're at the lake where you wish you were. <laughs> I mean, seriously. If they love Jesus, they might be here too, but come on, give them a break. Let's open our doors and welcome them here and say, come on in. Man, I'm so glad you're here. Come on. You can sit where I normally sit. <laughs> 
gonna have to break out the defibrillators for real on that. I don't think you understand, Chuck. I've been sitting here in love. Shut up. That's part of the, anyway. So my notes are right here. I really, I, I got them. They're notes. Watch this now. Our heart determines our life's direction. Isn't that something? Our heart will determine our life's direction. So I, I don't know if you're here today or maybe you're watching online. I got a haircut late yesterday afternoon and a young lady was so nice that cut my hair and she, I, I told her, she said, what do you want done? I said, well, can you make my hair not look like a preacher? She said, I'm not sure. I said, you know what's funny about that? She said, don't tell me. I said, yep, I'm a preacher. She said, oh, kiss of death. She said, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I said, how about that? I said, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. She said, wow, we couldn't be more opposite. I said, you're so right. I said, but I, I, I bet we're not as far apart as you think. And I said, why don't you just come hang out with us one day? She said, you know, I'd like to find a new church. She said, well, come on. I said, these folks will love you. They're just all a bunch of normal people. She said, well, what kind of church is it? I said, church full of hypocrites. Come on. <laughs> this is awesome. She said, well, and you could tell she grew up in church. She said, does that make you like the lead hypocrite? I said, absolutely, come on. And she said, well, I've, I've gone through kind of a rough patch in my life. I said, you know, we, we've all hit them, hadn't we? Oh, man, I, I'm in one right now. I'm in a dry season. I'm in a season where I need, I need, I need God to show up and do a little work in my heart. I need God to show up and do a little work in my family's heart. I, I, I need to wake up a little hope. She started tearing up. I hope you're in here. I don't see you right now, but she said, you know what? People have told me that. I said, well, let me tell you why you can believe it. God didn't make you to wallow in misery all your life, but he's going to let you wallow until you turn to him. And you watch you let him go to work in your life, I promise you, you've got far better days ahead of you, hon. She kind of gained composure, and she told me a little bit of her story, and I could tell she, man, this girl's been working 12 hours a day for a week now, and she told me about how many hours she pulled and the needs in her life, and I went to go pay for my haircut, and I, I thought to myself, you know what, Chuck, you, you, you don't have a whole lot, but you got a whole lot more than she got. And I thought, but you know what? I, I don't get paid till next Friday, Lord. How, how about if I come back next week and I'm gracious then? Because that's easier. And the Lord started doing a little surgery. And he cut me up pretty good. So I, I handed her my little debit card and she put it back. And I, I put the amount of tip on there and signed it and walked out to my truck to head home. And in my rearview mirror, as I was driving out of the parking lot, I could see her standing on the curb going, thank you, thank you. I want to be real clear here. That is not my norm. By my nature, I am not a generous, gracious human being. By my nature, I am a selfish, sinful, 
wicked heart. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll let God go to work in your heart and you'll let him perform a little surgery on your heart, it may only be one person, but this world will be better because of what he's done in your life. But you got to pick it. You got to determine that my life's direction is going to be determined by my heart and my heart is going to be headed in the direction of the Lord my God. Listen to what the Proverbs say in 1412. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In other words, we've got our own way. We can pick. And if we don't choose the right path, we don't choose his path, man, we're headed toward bad days. Listen to what the gospel writer Matthew says in chapter 7, verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Listen to what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. That's why we say it's such a big deal to get in the Word of God. By the way, we don't make more money. We don't earn more money. More money doesn't come into the church because you have gone and done this daily aha in the scripture or you've spent time in, uh, in, in She Reads Truth or He Reads Truth or you've, you've listened to the podcast. None of that, none of that makes any difference to the bottom line. If you're, it's all about money. There's no money involved in that. But watch this. The one thing that might happen if you get in the Word of God and you let Him start performing surgery in your life, be careful. This is a disclaimer. You might become generous and gracious. Oh, my stars. I wouldn't even recognize some of you. Some of you have been attending this church for 30 years. You have yet to give a dime to the cause of Christ. And you know what I would think to myself? Oh, what a shame. That beautiful tree giving no fruit whatsoever. Some of us, we, we give faithfully, I mean, week after week, month after month, and, but yet we're, we're not in the Word of God. And you say, well, chuck it, but there's more fruit than there is money, I promise you. Money's not the only fruit. As a matter of fact, it's, it's one of the least important. You see, I believe when we get in there and we get a daily aha of Scripture, we're letting the Lord perform surgery in our heart. That's why giving and generosity is such a big deal. That's why serving people in need is such a big deal. When we consistently are in God's Word, we will consistently be changed. And when we consistently and sacrificially give, we are consistently blessed. And when we consistently serve people in need, we are consistently reminded to be grateful. And when we are consistently grateful, all we have is all we need, and it's all that this world could ever hope for. But none of that happens without a little surgery, starting with taking a look at our heart. You see, our daily actions, they are shown in the evidence of what's going on in our heart. Show me somebody who's bigoted and racist in their thinking, down in their heart, you know what's there? A bigot. 
Show me someone that's muddled in, 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 in gossip, in bitter thinking, and in anger, and in hatred. I'll show you a heart that is blackened by hatred. Show me somebody who's got a smile on her face. Show me somebody that shows up to worship. Show me somebody that doesn't find something wrong with everything, but finds something right with everybody. Find me somebody who's decided to let Christ sit on the throne of their heart. I'll show you a heart that's producing great fruit that remains. Your choice. You get to pick what kind of tree you want to be, what kind of heart you want to have. You see... When God performs heart surgery on us, he calls out from deep within our hearts a passion to walk and talk and live with him. With him. It's, it's not some ethereal being. It's, it's walking and talking and living with the Christ that is within us. When his heart surgery takes place in our heart, he calls out from deep within our hearts to give out of generosity sacrificially and to be grateful for that privilege when we have heart surgery that takes place on our heart he calls out from deep within our heart to serve others compassionately and when he performs heart surgery on our heart he calls deep from within our heart to get on our knees before him and know that is the point that is the power that is the position of authority before the only one who can do what this world needs starting with your heart. So, some of you today, you need a brand new heart. You say, well, I, how do I do it? Sounds just like it's Jesus. I, I need a new heart. Can you give me a new heart? I'm sorry that I've made a mess of my life. I want to turn around. I want to live for you. Thank you for dying for me and from raising from the dead for me, taking that penalty instead of me. Give me a new heart. The scriptures promise if you do that, he'll hear you and he'll do just what you ask. Some of us are, our hearts have got cobwebs on them, maybe some ice crystals around. We need to start feeding it. We need to take self-examination and let the word of God give us an aha every day. Decide we're going to bless somebody every day. Decide we're going we're to put joy back in our heart. We're going to let Christ reign on our heart. And for some of us, we need a defibrillator, and we need the paddles of grace to be charged fully up, and we need to say clear and shock a fool out of us because we've been sitting around long enough. I don't know which heart you've got, but I can promise you this. You ask God to do a little work on your heart today, and you will not leave the same way you came in, and it will always be for the better. But you pick. Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed, or maybe you're like me and I, I got to keep my eyes open or my brain just goes. But there are folks in here that need a new heart. And you need to say, Jesus, that's me. Forgive me my sin. Come live in my life. Make me a new man. Make me a new person. Give me a new heart. Make me a new woman. Thank you for dying and raising for me. And I want to live for you. If that's the desire of your heart, if that's what you want today, just lift your hand up. Let me see your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. Oh, my stars all over this room. Yeah. 
Listen, when we ask, he, he promises, he answers. This, he's not playing hide and seek from you. Maybe there's folks here, you've been, you've been a Christian for years, and maybe you got a few cobwebs, maybe you got a few icicles hanging on your heart. Man, the defibrillator hits you today, and you're like, man, Chuck, I want to do this. I want him to clean my heart out. I want him to do that heart calf on me. Starting today, Chuck, I, I'm, I'm choosing to walk and live with him. That's what I'm going to do from this point on. Let me just see your hand. Yeah. Oh, my. All over this room. Yeah. Amen. So, Lord, today, draw people unto yourself. Go to work on our heart. Clean us up. Make us new. God, for there are a lot of folks out there with hearts like mine that you just, you want to do a work in. Lord, I pray they would just let you do that. I pray you'd let them see blessings in their life all day, every day this week, that they'd find an aha from you, and it would overcome the grief or anxiety or stress that's in their life, and they would grab hold. Lord, for folks today, for the first time, said, Jesus, I want to trust you. I pray that you'd give them courage to just stop me after church and just let me know. And so I can pray with them, and I pray you give them great strength and courage. Maybe someday they might even follow you in believer's baptism like the five people in the first hour and Heather to this hour. Lord, we need you every hour. We need you. I'm so grateful you hear that prayer and you answer us in the name of Jesus, our King, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.